Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for being with me here today as we talk about books that's right. We're going to talk about books to entertain and to learn from. We're going to talk with three international best-selling authors with the latest books that they've written that they have written on purpose to help entertain you, to teach you, to help you grow and learn from. Um, lots of cool different ways to be able to approach the world and make the difference that these people could make just like only you can make the difference only you can make. So what can we learn from books? We can be entertained. We can learn of new stories and new adventures and new worlds to live in. We can learn from them. We can get wiser, smarter, more confident, more able to be able to do the things in this life that we were meant to do. There are so many cool things that books offer us that only really can come from books. You know, and I love audiobooks. I absolutely do. But there's a different experience between listening to a book and reading a book. There's a different experience between having somebody read a book to you than reading a book. Um, you know, there's obviously something different between watching the movie of the book. And that's not to say that I don't love movies. That's not to encourage anybody to stop watching movies or TV shows or listening to audiobooks, but just simply sometimes picking up a book can take us down a road into a world in our mind that takes us places that we never would have ever even imagined or helps us grow in ways that we didn't even know something as simple as some words on a paper can do. And we're going to look at all of those things today. We're going to look at these books, books to entertain and learn from, ways for you to grow, ways for you to be the best version of yourself while it's called today. And hopefully, ways that will inspire you to want to share who you are with the world. Because ultimately, everything that we've been through, everything that we know, Everything we think is only as good as we use it. Yes, use it for ourselves because you're an important person that's a part of the world too. But also use it for the people who are waiting on you. For the person whose life will be enriched, entertained, or even expanded because of the words that you write down on paper. It's great to think them. It's wonderful to speak them out. But there's something palpable, something powerful about words on a page. No matter whether one person read it and their life was changed or a bazillion people. Yeah, that's right. I just said bazillion. People read the book and learned and grew from it. It could be a fiction book. It could be something that's highly entertaining, that makes people think, makes them laugh, makes them go off on an adventure. Or it could be a nonfiction, um, a book that helps a person see life differently and grow from that. It could be a book for adults. It could be a book for children that allows a child's imagination, their creativity, that silly fun nature of them to come to life. It could be for young adults where they're right in that transition phase between being a child and being an adult and the fantasies that they can go on, that they can still take adventures, no matter what age group, from zero, you know, reading to a little baby, even in the womb, all the way to 120 years old or more. Books will always be the thing there to entertain, to help us learn and help us grow. The things that will always enrich our lives and help us to live as a thriving entrepreneur. I know you want that. I want that for you. 
Let's jump in to our first guest. Hello, good morning everyone, or afternoon, wherever you might be. I'm here again with Grandpa B, talking about the next Mugs and Puddles book. This one, the Silly Go Goose Joke Book. Say that three times real fast. Um, it is a really fun, entertaining book, a book that all of your kids are going to want to get. Join me in welcoming Grandpa B. Hey, Roland, how you doing today? Doing awesome. Thanks for having uh, me. Absolutely. So um, tell us a little bit about the, well, first tell us just a little bit about you and how you became Grandpa B and, and the author of all these fun mugs and puddles books. Yeah. So I have two granddaughters and that kind of just changed everything for me. My first book that I came out with was I'm not a princess, I'm a superhero. And that was my granddaughter was over one day. I wasn't planning on writing a book. I didn't have one in my future. I never even thought about it. And my daughter said to her, you're my little princess. And she turned around and put her hands on her hips and said, I'm not a princess. I'm a superhero and walked off. And that minute I just sat down and just started writing and illustrating books. And so this is my fourth one, fourth book. And what I saw, I kind of let my grandkid, my granddaughters, mugs and puddles, as I call them, kind of let them uh, dictate what I write. It's, I noticed that my, uh, my oldest granddaughter, who now is seven, when she was like six, I started teaching her jokes because I love jokes. And I found that she could go up to any, she would, she was not shy, but she wasn't really outgoing at the time, but she could go up to any adult and tell them a joke and feel perfectly comfortable. And they would go, Oh, that's so nice. Oh, that's so funny. How did you think of that and stuff? And she felt like a million bucks and she didn't have any fear there. So everything I do in my books is to try to help those, those uh, young kids, overcome any kind of fear that they might have or they might think they have because a lot of fears we have is just things that we decided one day that we have fear my youngest granddaughter started saying i'm shy grandpa i'm shy and after self-talk and working with her it sounds weird but working with her now she's shy anymore but she just started mapping that onto herself when she was five and i'm going what where did that come from and when we got down to it someone just told her that she was a little shy girl and she just took it on and once we got rid of that, she doesn't say it anymore. So the joke book helps them have something that they didn't know that no one else knows. And they can go up to an adult or up to their uh, peer and tell a joke and get a laugh. And then all of a sudden it makes them feel good. So give us a little bit of taste of some of the silly goose kind of jokes. Yeah. So it's a lot of them that you might know. And then there's about a hundred, uh, hundred and something different jokes. And the other thing I did add to, and I'll share here in a minute, is I added different ways to say goodbye, like see you later, alligator. There's a hundred of those. I didn't know there was that many, but then uh, uh, hit the road. Uh, uh, it's off the top of my mind. I can't remember all of them, but just there's a whole bunch of those. And then there's uh, the jokes is like, what do you call a cow jumping on a trampoline? And then you open it and there's an illustration of a cow going off a trampoline. This is a milkshake. And so it's just simple, simple, easy jokes like that. There's only one fart joke in the whole book. I promised my wife I'd only do one fart joke. Uh, since there are for little girls, they're not as into farts as boys. So, but it always gets a good laugh. We'll have to do a separate Grandpa B's fart joke book. Exactly. <laughs> just, just for little boys, no girls allowed. Because they're too sweet to have those kabots. Because <laughs> little girls never do that kind of a thing. Yeah, exactly. Right. But so, I just love to see these kids grow in confidence. And, and I'm really working with my, because I've owned a business for 30 years, 38 years, and worked with tons of business owners. And the ones that really succeed are those ones that are over, be able to overcome fears and have that confidence. So I want to bring that. And, and so many people have baggage. Uh, I know I have a ton of baggage. I feel like I put a backpack on some mornings. I take some out. I put others in. And I want to have our my granddaughters, especially, and anybody else that will pick up the books, is to start getting rid of some of that baggage and not have to carry things that we we have a tendency to give our kids. You know, I watch I watch different people talk to their kids, and I go, and you're just you're loading them up with your crap just take it away let them have that freedom let them be themselves and and really grow i don't remember if i asked you this last time you know with any of the other books but what is the origin story of the nicknames mugs and puddles so my uh my the youngest puddles when she was born she's just a puddle of goo she drooled all the time and then when you picked it up she didn't 
So I just started calling her Puddles, and that was what it just stuck. And so I'm. She's the only one that she likes to cut me to call puddles is her. I, I, I'm the only one she allows to call puddles. Everybody else calls. No, my name's Kanda Camden. Only grandpa can call me uh, puddles. But my oldest one, uh, the oldest granddaughter, my mom was named. Um, uh, her nickname was Muggs because when when she was born, uh, my grandfather, they were going to name her Madeline. No, they were going to name her Ruth Ann. And my grandfather, when he put the birth certificate in, because this was back in the 40s, he just wrote in Madeline Adelaide. And my grandma was so upset, she'd only call her Muggs her whole life. So I just said, hey, that'll honor my mom. And and so Muggs and Puddles, that's how it came about. I love that. I love how he just decided. Yeah. <laughs> this is no. This is what the name's going to yeah. be. Yeah. And back and back then they didn't. They don't have the. It wasn't the same as now. Now it would be a major theme. But she just said, "Okay, if that's what you're going to name her. You call her that. I'm not calling her that." So. <laughs> Definitely is a real um, peak into the way society was back in the 1940s. Versus oh, yeah. Can you fun. imagine somebody these days being like, no, I just decided this is what I'm going to name our kid and you can just forget it. Exactly. <laughs> My grandma was a, she had eight kids and she was very strong, but uh, I don't know what happened there. I guess she, I guess my grandfather decided you got to name all eight of them. My mom was second to the last. I'm naming this one. So I don't know. That's awesome. So let's talk a little bit more about Silly Goose Joke Book, our latest Mugs and Puddles book. Um, I do like the whole concept of the ability to be able to give children confidence and things like that. Um, What about, I know with my youngest son, he was the only one of my kids that didn't really take to reading the rest okay, of them were kind yeah. of avid readers, but my youngest, he was very, very anti-reading when he was wow. little. Um, and joke books for him, you know, because we let him, you know, we went to the library every week with the kids. And he was always like, yeah, and we just were like, you can get any book you want to. And he comes running up to me. He's like, I found a joke book. Can I get this joke book? And I was like, yeah, you know, I mean, you can get any kind of book you want. And, and that. Um, you know, that was what sparked his, I mean, he's an avid reader now. I mean, he reads, I mean, I work with authors. I read books for a living and he reads more books than I do. Um, I mean, talk a little bit more about that whole concept of, um, teaching a child to really learn to read and love to read more than just learn it. Yeah. And I think that's what I found with this joke book is they, so when the, when my granddaughters read, they read separately a lot of times. And then they'll get together and talk about it and the other one will pick up the book or, but with the joke book, their heads are squashed together and they're telling each other the jokes. So they'll go, they'll say it and they'll try to guess what it is. What is it? And Oh no. And then they, Oh, that's it. You know, and they're interacting so much more and then they will stop reading and they'll run to their mom and go, okay, mom, we got a joke for you. You know, and then they'll go through the joke and then all of a sudden, they go, oh, okay. And then they run back and put their heads together. Which one are we going to do next? Oh, that one's good for dad. And then they run to dad. So it really makes it more interactive. And it also gets them very excited about the next thing they're going to read. Instead of reading a story and it gets too long. And that's why I keep my books kind of short because I notice with the younger kids, they get bored pretty easily. They can read the same book a hundred times and not get bored, but they don't like real long books because they want to get to the end and see what happens. So the joke books are like, a whole bunch of mini books stuck into one because they can read one joke and then they can share it with a whole bunch of people. They come back and read another one. Then they can put it away and they can jump to the end and they can jump to the middle. And it's not like I have to do it any one way. And they'll each find their favorite joke that they, that they each like more than maybe, you know, and share that one over and over and over again. I know my granddaughter, she is now making up her own jokes that (laughs) they don't make any sense, but she thinks they're hilarious, you know? Like, why did the kangaroo jump on the rock? And I go, I don't know, because the sky was blue. And I go, oh, that's funny. Yeah, I, I'm like you, Grandpa. I can write jokes, too. So she's just having a great time with it. It really helped uh, that imagination just keep growing, you know. And- I love that. My uh, my oldest, she um, really, really loved Fozzie Bear, you know, during. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and she just thought he was hilarious. But she never, she wasn't old enough at the time to really understand the jokes. So she would be like, why did the chicken cross the road? 
Do you get it? Waka, waka, waka. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. My grandkids are stuck on the the duck song and it's just, it's great. It's a duck. It wants grapes or something. It goes to a store. It only sells lemonade and they just got to any grapes. The <laughs> they can, and, and the other thing that I noticed that really helps with memorization because they can memorize these jokes and tell them over and over again. They know that whole song inside now and they can go through the jokes and now they have them memorized. They have them in the back of their pockets. So when they feel like they need to tell someone something or didn't know how to do an icebreaker, they pull a joke out and can do it that way. So one last thing I'd like to address, and that's the concept of building verbal skills. Um, can you think of any words that you used in the book that rather than just talking down to them and trying to, you know, use words that they already knew that you knew was probably going to be introducing a new word to them? Yeah, what well, here's a shocking thing. I don't know why this is. I was at the dental office and my dentist uh, has a, uh, a five-year-old daughter that was there for the summer. And I told her one of the jokes and she goes, I don't know what a porcupine is. And I go, really? You know, and then my granddaughter said, why would they, because I said, what do two porcupines say when they kiss? And then it goes, ouch. And they go, why would they say, ouch, grandpa? And I'm, so I show up a porcupine and it opened a whole new le level. And then the dentist says, we got to go to the zoo and see a porcupine. Yeah, what is a porcupine? And I was just like, I just took it for granted. Every I grew up where there was porcupines all over the place. And, and I just took it for granted. So it was kind of interesting. Some of the things they would see and some of the jokes, even they would go like, uh, what runs all the time, but never goes anywhere, a refrigerator. And they go, why? So, it, and then once they got it, then they laughed and went, oh, I get it now. But it was kind of interesting that I took a lot of things for granted that all these kids would know. I thought it was on their basis. But in some areas, like where I grew up, a kid would get the porcupine thing because you see them all the time. You know, the far, the the ranchers and stuff hate them because they, they debark their trees and stuff. So it's a conversation. But that's what I thought was interesting is some of the things we talked about weren't always I just took it for granted. They know it. And so it opened a conversation. We were able to go to on the internet on my phone and pull up pictures of porcupines and show their quills and stuff. And it just, you know, really made a, a, a cool segue into that that I would have never even brought up. Oh, I love that. So for the fans of Mugs and Puddles and those of you that are now going to be fans of Mugs and Puddles, um, you have kind of a central world of Mugs and Puddles that you've created. Give us that URL and tell us what we can find there. Yeah, so it's just Mugs and Puddles and spelled out .com. And they can go in there and see inside the books and uh, then everything's available on Amazon. And we're doing this today only. We're going to do free downloads on the joke books. So you can download it onto your Kindle or your e-reader and, um, you know, share it with your kids and they can go through it and see how they like it. And then you can order a print one if you'd like. And for anybody that missed the link to get the book today for free, um, I put it in the description. You got to go and get the silly joke, silly goose joke book. I cannot there say silly goose, <laughs> silly goose joke book, and the latest mugs and puddles book by Grandpa B. Um, Grandpa B, uh, I love all of your artwork and all of your stuff, um, but. I think it has just a special place in the development, especially for girls. And, and there's a lot of little kids books that are, you know, funny and stuff like that, that aren't really for girls, you know? Right. And so I really appreciate the kind of whole new world that you're creating. Thanks so much for doing that. You're welcome. And it's so exciting to see, because here's something that funny happened the other day. So we, when we have the granddaughters or our grandsons, or we try to do something different with them that they're not going to just play video games and watch TV or, you know, eat junk food at grandpa and grandma's. We took our granddaughters to the fabric store to pick out, um, pick out fabric so they could make a, a blanket out of it. So they could learn how to sew and how to do a little quilting and stuff like that. We ended up doing most of it, but they got excited about it. And we went through the whole process of picking it out. And my and uh, mug said, I want a superhero pattern. I says, yeah, you can get Batman or there's a Spider-Man here. She says, where's mugs and puddles? They're superheroes. I want a mugs and puddles blanket. I said, well, I don't think they have that yet. And he says, why not? That is not if we're superheroes, they should have material made of us. And I said, well, I'll work on that. OK. And I just thought that was hilarious because she sees herself now as a superhero that you know because she has a cape that we made you know out of the t-shirt that's in the first book and uh she's just really taking it on and then they were going to the dentist 
and uh, and Puddles was going, I'm talking to Muggs because they're really close as sisters. I just love to see how close they are. And they're talking back and forth and going, you know, I'm kind of scared of the dentists. Now, remember, you have super you have super uh, powers. So and we're superheroes. So you don't need to be scared of the dentists. You need to be like Muggs and Puddles. I said, that's right. And so they marched in there and got their stuff done and came back out. So they're starting to relate with it, which is really fun. I love that so much. Again, get Silly Goose Joke Book, the latest Mugs and Puddles book. You can get it today for free on Amazon. Grandpa B, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the show today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I never really thought about it until Roland started talking about it, but it's so true. Jokes really are a great way to help build confidence, communicative skills, and all kinds of things for children. I do encourage you that whatever age of child, even if it's an adult child that you have in your life, that you get them the Silly Goose Joke Book. You'll be glad that you did. And it'll help you and the children in your life live as a thriving entrepreneur. We're going to take our first quick commercial break, and we'll be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. <laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that stats, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet, kind of feeling go to yourbestsellertoday.com schedule a talk with steve it's risk-free it's guaranteed it's proven we've done it thousands of times what are you waiting for yes yourbestsellertoday.com this time next week you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve reach the people that you came to serve come on now what are you waiting for grab a pen here we go all you got to do is book a call yourbestsellertoday.com go to yourbestsellertoday.com book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. We're talking about books to entertain and learn from today. We're talking about the fact that, you know, some books, we grow from them. Some books, we uh, are entertained by them. But all books are powerful to help us live as thriving entrepreneurs in all that we do in life. This next guest has a great book filled with real-world stories about stuff she went through and all that she learned from doing them. Let's listen in. Join me in welcoming Anita Illing. Hey, Anita, how are you doing today? Hello, I'm very good and excited. <laughs> Glad to have you here with us. Tell us first a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. How I show up in the world. Um, I will say that I um, live mostly um, a spiritual lifestyle, are you calling it? Um, I'm very uh, interested in uh, living in harmony and uh, meditate and go for walks in nature and uh, do what I find meaningful. Uh, that's m most important for me to uh, to live in accordance with my my values and doing what I enjoy to do and things that bring me joy and uh, balance inside. <laughs> that's so. good. And uh, I have dreams and aspirations uh, that I uh, go for. And um, yeah, I have many things that I would like to do. And um, I have uh, an uh, online business and a physical business now starting just now. And um, trying to build that up more here. Uh, since I moved to the south of Norway, I lived in the, in the north of Norway before. Uh, 51 years old. And I uh, have two grown-up sons that uh, live south in Norway, too. So, um, yeah. Love that. All That's, right. Uh, and your book is called Hitting the Wall, A New Beginning. Um, and the uh, start of this is 
um, a literal definition of having hit the wall. So we can't tell yeah. us all the story because people need to get the book, but tell us a little bit about, um, you know, what happened. Yes, um, I was only 18, 18 and a half, so I didn't have my driver's license for long, but uh, driver's license. But I uh, was out driving uh, in bad winter weather and it turned uh, terrible on the way home. So uh, to make a long story short, uh, smashed into the mountainside. I was driving, uh, one pass passenger were on the, in the car, a friend of mine, and uh, luckily he was not injured uh, at all. I was talked with him afterwards, of course. And um, I'm very grateful for that. And nobody else got injured in the accident, but um, I fainted in the car and somebody had to pull me out. And um, after uh, a while on the way to the hospital, I lost my um, feelings in the legs. And uh, that was a huge life-changing experience for me. I went through a, a few hours only, but that happened. And um, it's more about... Um, the book is about the building up process, about getting up again, no matter how many times you fall and uh, um, overcoming yourself and obstacles in mental, physical, emotional, um, to, uh, to rebuild your life again after something like that happened. And because I went many years with intense struggles and pain that nobody, um, understood where it came from after the first injuries had healed. Uh, so it became a very long uh, rebuilding process with a lot of ups and downs. So what was your question again? <laughs> well, you told us, you're, you're telling us about how you actually literally, uh, the car slammed in the wall and all of the recovery you had to do from that. So, yeah. you know, life has its challenges and sometimes well, most of the time, they aren't things that we planned for. Um, yeah. What do we do then? How do we um, move forward when life throws us something that we didn't expect, mm -hmm. um, but we have to get through? Yeah. So in the book, I talk about um, how we first um, need to go through a grieving period. Um, and uh, normally, there will be a lot of anger including in that grieving uh, phase, especially if it's a really big life-changing event. So go to a grieving process and have to feel the feelings and be, be angry and be sad and come to a point where you accept what happened, um, basically, and forgive, uh, try to forgive yourself for putting yourself first in that situation. Of course, if there's anybody else involved in the forgiveness process, it's much more challenging. Um, it might take years and it's nothing that we should force, but, uh, but it's good for us to, to forgive, but we need to accept uh, what happened and where we are at, uh, first of all, and uh, move on from there and do big and many, many small steps and think long term and uh, always look for the the positivities the, the bright side because it goes like this but over years it goes like this you it's so if, if it's a process that takes year years of course but if it, it's uh, just a small obstacle in life uh, of course, it's much easier to uh, just get <laughs> angry by yourself. I always uh, recommend, I of course didn't manage this myself years ago, but uh, to learn to be, have the emotions alone uh, and not take it out on other people and to go through them. But what we normally do is to shove the feelings down and, and, uh, and, and uh, flee from them. We don't want to feel the uncomfortable emotions. So then they just pop up when we least expect it and we don't want it. We all do this. And uh, it takes uh, practice. I just want to teach uh, this practice uh, where, we, where we go into everything and face it head on alone for ourselves or of course with a therapist or a coach and then uh, and accept where we are at and have all the reactions around that before we start the rebuilding process with all our bodies i call it all our bodies um because we need to work emotional mental with our belief system with uh, with our mindset um 
with, uh, with uh, practicing being more mindful and uh, our awareness so we notice the negative thought patterns. We need to work on the physical body too because it's proven many years ago that stress and struggles, it's manifest in the body in physical pain. So of course for me it started with physical pain but I'm also addressing those where it starts with depression and, and or other other obstacles, not not specifically, but all struggles in life is con is connected, is affecting each other. So if if you, your struggles begin with your physical body, it affects you mentally and especially over time, it's exhausting. Um, it affects your self-esteem, um, your belief in the future. Um, it affects everything. So people who go for 10, 20, 30 years with struggles, they, they want to give up many times, of course. It feels futile and hopeless. So I just try to inspire, and it's, it's based on my personal experience as a um, patient uh, and, and clients, client over the years, and also my experience with my ed different uh, educations, and also with my experience um, working on clients myself. Um, so I feel that I needed to write a book to help people because I have the experience from both angles, from both perspectives, from both sides. So, um, and from yeah. any different educations, I feel like I, I had something to, to offer, hopefully something to help people with. I love that. A lot of times we just get stuck, you know, where we go through something that is life altering like that. Um, and we either A, get comfortable just being that way, or B, we just don't really know how to get out. Um, what would you say to a person who has uh, gotten used to less than? Yeah, it's uh, terrifying if you have been there a long time to step out of it. It's, um, it's stepping out of your comfort zone because... If you are going to rebuild your life, like I give in this book uh, 25 action steps that I feel, I have many more, but this is what was room for in the book and what I feel the most important to start with. And when we go through this process and we feel completely stuck and, and given up, we need to start to face ourselves first, have a true talk with ourselves. And I lead people through that process very, very deeply and specifically. And where, where they get, get to a point where they just have to be brave, they just, just have to, to dare greatly because I hope that they will believe me when I say that it isn't better down there. It isn't better there. It, it feels comfortable. It's more comfortable, but it isn't better. It's just more familiar. It's just more familiar to be there. And, uh, and uh, that's what they know about and going out and try to get better and try to get your hope up again for maybe for the hundredth time is very, very scary. And you might even resist it because of you are afraid if you get better, people will expect a lot of you and brings up a whole bunch of fears. So you, you fear having a, a withdrawal. So this is what I write about, what is normal and natural. I want to make everything, I want people to understand that this is normal emotions, feelings, struggling, it's normal, it's natural. It's, uh, it's nothing to be ashamed of. There's nothing to be ashamed of. We, we all have done things we feel shame for. There isn't anything to be ashamed for. We, uh, we need to um, be honest and truthful with ourselves and to those few that deserve our open, vulnerable heart and um, ask for support because that's hard. Most people don't even admit to their partner or family that how much they struggle. They put on a brave face and a smile and yeah, I'm okay. It's nothing to do with it. Yeah. So with that in mind, what is one thing that a person listening today could do uh, to be able to start the process of their new beginning? Write a possibility list. Um, because I, one of the things that have saved me for the first thing, it, it's a dark humor, <laughs> learn to have dark humor, uh, to laugh at yourself, self irony and stop take life, life so seriously and, uh, and, uh, give yourself a break. And that's one thing. And the other thing is just to write down all your opportunities and possibilities. 
to, to begin carefully to dream because um, think long term, think 10 years, 5 years, 20 years, whatever that makes you able to do it. And write down what is okay in your life today, not gratitude. What are you grateful for? Yes, it's perfect. It's amazing. But a person who, who struggles like this cannot write what they are grateful for. That will be fake gratefulness and it doesn't work. They need to write what, what is working today. What is okay? What is okay in your life? Take away the pressure to pretend that something is perfect and write what is okay in my life today. And during that process, a door might open up so you will be naturally grateful. And, and, and really feel it. And that, then the process is coming and then you might feel some empathy for yourself and start to cry because we actually need to cry. We need to get angry. We need to punch some pillows <laughs> and scream a little and shout. And yeah, we need that. And, and we need the energy to flow through by journaling, by talking, by moving our body, by stretching by screaming, <laughs> uh, you know, so we cleanse when we laugh and when we cry. And yeah, and write the possibilities so, not, so that a few uh, dreams might start to work far back there. It, it's just opening up your world. I always done that. I always, I love to see that I have possibilities. And if you dare to dream a little bit, you don't have to say that you are going to take action on it. Don't put that pressure on yourself. Just, just play, just play with it. Yeah, I love that. So today, yes, start a what's okay and a possibilities list. The book is called Hitting the Wall, A New Beginning. Um, it is available for you today. You can even get it for free today on Amazon. Um, I did drop the link into the comments in case you didn't see it in the description. Um, Anita, this is a cool book. It's got a lot to offer to people. Thanks so much Thank for you. writing it. And thanks for being with us here on the show today. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here with you. Um, bless you. Maybe sometimes it feels like, or you have literally like Anita did, hit the wall in your own life. But there's still hope. There's still promise. There is still so much more to learn. And it's in sharing that in our book. It's in reading it in other people's books that we learn how to grow, how to be better of people, how to take what we've gone through and make it into something that makes ourselves as well as our world a better place. What a great way to live as a thriving entrepreneur. Let's listen in to our commercial break and we'll be right back. If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. <laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity, and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far, and then it just fell off the face of the planet, kind of feeling go to yourbestsellertoday.com schedule a talk with steve it's risk-free it's guaranteed it's proven we've done it thousands of times what are you waiting for yes yourbestsellertoday.com this time next week you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve reach the people that you came to serve come on now what are you waiting for grab a pen here we go all you got to do is book a call yourbestsellertoday.com go to yourbestsellertoday.com Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today as we talk about books to entertain 
and learn from. Some books are for kids. They help them develop early skills. They help entertain them. They make them laugh and smile and make us all happy because they did. Other books, they are filled with the things that we've been through and what we learned from it. And then there are some books that are just purely to take our minds away to a beautiful, new, imaginative playground that we can think and learn and grow and be entertained. And of course, I'd be remiss in this episode if I didn't bring you an author with another amazing book that's exactly that, to help you live as a thriving entrepreneur, but also take a magical journey into a new world. Let's listen into our next interview. Join me in welcoming S.W. Quinn. Hey, how you doing today? Hey, Steve. Good to be with you. Yeah, it's great to have you here with us. So we're back for book two of Runaway Silver. This one, Lily and the Ringmaster. But first, tell us a little bit about who you are and how you show up in the world. Sure, I'd be glad to. Well, um, my name is Steve. I write under the pseudonym uh, S.W. Quinn. Um, you know, I think the best way to describe how I show up in the world today is uh, grateful, um, humbled. I set out for the first time to write this story uh, 18 years ago when I was 18 years old. So it's a full lifetime since I first made a go of writing it. And back then, uh, Runaway Silver was just called Silver. Um, you know, it was just a little short story uh, series, mini series that I was kind of writing to try to get myself through chemotherapy uh, the summer between high school and college. And, uh, you know, fortunately, I'm, I'm very lucky. I, I did beat the cancer and I'm still here today and I've gone on to live a full life, uh, full life since then. So grateful. That's the shortest answer to your question. Absolutely. So Runaway Silver, uh, first of all, before we get into book two, let's uh, recap for people. Um, we can't give them enough because if they haven't read it, they got to read the book. But uh, give them an idea of what happened, uh, who is Silver, and, and a little bit of what happened in book one. Yeah, well, at risk of spoiling it, um, Runaway Silver tells the story of a young girl named Lily Lilac who has been enchanted rather accidentally by her mom who uh, utters the line that I think a lot of good moms would utter to their children. You know, you can do anything that you set your sights on. Um, well, it turns out that the way she said it, how she said it, we're not quite sure imparted this um, sort of superhuman ability on Lily that that is physically true. She has this ability, um, this skill for mimicry. Well, one thing leads to another, and there's a bit of a, a tragedy in Lily's life. Lily's life um, up until a certain point wasn't really known for tragedy. It was rather, you know, mundane. Um, so, uh, but, you know, she pulls through, she survives. Um, it's sort of an escape story and um, washes ashore um, at, a, of all places, uh, a circus. And what better place to exercise her newfound ability for mimicry than a circus? So you can imagine what might unfold um, as she survives this sort of tragedy that befalls her <clears throat> in the first book. Um, she does have a little bit of um, you know, amnesia, memory loss associated with the trauma of the tragedy um, to the extent that she can't even think of her own name. And so the ringmaster at the very end of the first book decides to call her uh, Silver and she's named after um, her hair, which has changed from this blonde, uh, you know, Shirley Temple curled um, style to this um, shiny gray as a result of the trauma. Um, and so that's, it's very much a survival story, as you know, um, in the first book. And we kind of pick up where we left off in book two. So here we are now, book two, Lily and the Ringmaster. Um, mm -hmm. First, give us a little bit of background. I know you did in the in the first book. Uh, explain to us how important circuses are in the world that you've kind of spun for us. Oh, super important. So it's kind of a second world. And the way that I describe the intentionality behind this is, you know, Tolkien, when he was asked what he was trying to do with Lord of the Rings, he kind of said, well, I'm writing a mythology for Europe. There's, you know, a mythology for 
you know, Greece, obviously there's, uh, you know, Roman mythology. I'm going to write a mythology for Europe. And effectively what I'm doing is following in his um, very big footprints. And I am trying to write a mythology for Appalachia. And so, you know, the tech level, so to speak, the era is, you know, circa 1800s. And if you can imagine an Americana uh, version of Appalachia, you know, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, where um, things didn't necessarily manifest into towns in the Industrial Revolution, but rather circuses took hold as the primary, um, you know, organizing body of uh, America. That's effectively what's happening here. So you do have settlements, you have some towns and villages, but circuses primarily rule this world. Um, and, you know, that's something that is unfolding. Lily is not quite um, aware of the extent to which circuses hold her world because she grew up, you know, kind of isolated from, from all of this on her family homestead. So she's about to, to find out. And she's about to find out through, um, in the case of Lily and the Ringmaster, the eyes of Oscar, who is the Ringmaster's son, who is none too thrilled to be a little bit displaced in terms of his father's attention and the show's attention at this uh, girl who seems to show up out of nowhere and can one-up him on practically anything. So we see it through his eyes, and needless to say, there's a, a little bit of drama and tension that unfolds. And you can even see in that on the cover with the uh, with the sun kind of... Um, brooding, know, snarling, brooding in the brooding, background? Yes. <laughs> He sure is. And that cover, by the way, um, was by Vanya Hardy, who is the same concept artist and illustrator who we worked with for the first book. So she is back for round two and she just did an exceptional job, exceptional job helping visualize this stuff. I have a very vivid mind's eye. <clears throat> so working with her to articulate it and see it come to life on the page, it's just it was an awesome process. And she did a great job on that cover. Yeah. All right. So, you know, here we are. Poor Sil Silver doesn't even know yet that her name really was Lily. She's got all these great talents and yet um, life isn't so great for her. Not all the time. Um, what, again, it's so hard to not give spoilers, but what can people expect as Lily's going to go through here in book two? Yeah, well, the main tension for Lily is Oscar. Oscar really is kind of that middleman between her and things really going um, perfectly. Because the whole circus welcomes her with a uh, warm embrace, as they should. I mean, that's the ringmaster's wish. And in this, you know, second world Americana Appalachia, you know, as the ringmaster says, circus hands follow the orders of the ringmaster. There's no two ways about it. Oscar isn't exactly a circus hand. He's the son of the ringmaster. <clears throat> so um, needless to say, he is going to um, interfere in some ways. He's very suspicious of her. So he is going to conduct a bit of an investigation, um, try to get a little bit of insight into who she really is, float some theories to her that are going to you know, expound upon this, this world, which is still unfolding. Um, and there's going to be some, some action, of course. It is a circus after all, so you can expect to see Lily do some, some Lily feats um, as Silver in the circus, and you can expect Oscar to maybe get in the way in a time or two. Okay, so I am going to ask one spoiler-ish, but it's only just because we're book geeks, so we can kind of geek out a little bit here for a minute. Yeah. All right, in in book two of just about any good trilogy, um, things aren't as promising for the heroine as they are, you know, in book one, and as the outcome will happen in book three. So. Um, Again, it's so hard. We'll, we'll, we'll walk the tightrope using a circus metaphor here. But um, just how difficult is Lily's life going to get here in book two? You know, um, we just, one of the last things we did was we wrote the synopsis, which as you know, synopses are very difficult to write for books because <clears throat> you have to take so much and distill it down into a little package and not spoil things. Um, we use the word spiral. The thrilling mystery of Lily Lilac spirals deeper. And um, yeah, spiral is, is the word. So much of the story of Lily 
up to this point is the world happening to Lily and circumstances beyond her control. And that is going to continue. Um, the opening line of um, the first book, something to the effect of, uh, yeah, I, I, I know, I don't have my own writing memorized. I'm paraphrasing here. I should just grab it off the shelf behind me and just read it. On the path of a swollen river in the middle of the woods, um, on the bank of a swollen river in the middle of the woods, I stumbled upon a lifeless gray-haired girl. And that opening line is a you know threaded needle that hasn't quite been um, sewn, stitched shut, so to speak. Um, and so we're going to get a little bit more spiraling by way of that line. That line will become relevant um, along the way for, for Lily in book two. In keeping, uh, you know, the tradition of good sequels and, and good trilogies, knock on wood. <laughs> well, and also for those of you that are worried, you know, because a lot of times when you talk about a sequel, by the way, this is a trilogy, so this isn't typically true of trilogies, but um, we're not going to end up finding ourselves being uh, disheartened because they came back to this world that we loved. You know, this is really definitely a uh, continuation of a story that we've been sitting here for almost two years now, Steve, wanting yeah. to know what's going to happen next. So um, I know a lot of you are out there. You're really looking forward to it. Yeah. And I appreciate, you know, readers, fans, you know, all the patience and the continued support over the course of those two years. Um <clears throat> You know, we were just about this time last year, we had a complete draft and the story just wasn't there. It just wasn't right. And we said, OK, let's put this on the back burner, take a step back, go back to the drawing board and see what we can do with it, which in the end was the was the right move. There is nothing worse than having a sequel debut. I know that I'm speaking as a fan myself who have you know been disappointed by sequels in the past. And uh, there's nothing worse than having it come out and having a fan say something like, you should have just left it with one book. <laughs> um, and we obviously can't have that happen here because we're trying to build this, this, we're trying to build a world, you know, and so there's a lot more story to tell. I love it. Runaway Silver, Lily and the Ringmaster. It's available for free today in ebook form on Amazon. Um, so tease us just a little bit more before we let you go. Um, what should we, where do you hope people will get to by the time they're done reading book two? Yeah, good question. You know, where I where I want to leave, um, you know, readers and where my collaborators and I really wanted to leave readers with a sense of wanting more. Um, and I think it's important to point out that, uh, yeah, I think I feel like we've accomplished that. I think there will be a strong sense of of wanting more, of believing that much more is possible despite, as I said, the world, you know, and events kind of just keep happening to Lily, it's going somewhere um, sooner or later. And you'll see it before this first trilogy is out. The world is going to stop happening to Lily and Lily's going to start happening to the world. And what happens from there, it's a whole new ball game. I'll just put it that way. So you'll want more. I love it. Well, the book is called Runaway Silver, Lily and the Ringmaster, book two in the Runaway Silver series by S.W. Quinn. I did drop the link in the comments in case you missed it in the description. Um, Thank you. And you need to get it today for free. You will be glad you did. Uh, Steve, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the show today. Yeah, you're welcome. And thanks for having me, Steve, and keep up the good work. Whether on purpose or by a simple twist of fate, often... We too want to run away from the difficult things in our life, and we'd like to go off on a magical journey. Sometimes that's, well, always really, that's not often true in our lives, but it is possible for us to pick up a book and to escape into the world with Lily, to escape to a place where life can be better, and we can, from that, thrive in all we do and live as thriving entrepreneurs. We'll be right back. If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. 
<laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity, and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far, and then it just fell off the face of the planet kind of feeling, go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Schedule a talk with Steve. It's risk-free. It's guaranteed. It's proven. We've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve. Reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now. What are you waiting for? Grab a pen. Here we go. All you got to do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. In case it was a secret that I've been keeping from you, I can't imagine how you didn't know it already. I love books. I love the stories that come that are imaginative. I love the struggles and the successes that people have been through in life. I love helping share authors with the world. I love knowing that what I do helps a person be the best version of themselves, helps them reach out to the people that they've reached out to. You know, you've heard Lonnie doing the commercial. Um, If you listen to a lot of episodes, you've probably heard it a lot of times. But what I want you to understand is how powerful your book is. Whether your book reaches one person or it reaches a million people isn't what matters. It's for that one person. That is life. That is all for them. And if you helped even just one person with what you wrote, that would be more than enough. With the books that I've helped people, you know, there's more than 4,000 artists that I've worked with now in writing, publishing, and marketing their books to bestseller. That's literally millions of people who've gotten copies of their book, whose lives have been impacted, and I want to even say have been changed because of the information shared in them. They've learned from them. They've been entertained. They've grown. They've gone off to magical worlds like some of the books that I've worked with. They've gone to places that they never knew they could go in their minds, in their hearts, and in their own capability. And that is the power of your book, but not just a book, a bestseller. I don't often spend a lot of time pitching you on the show because I want you to learn and develop and grow, but I do want you to know as we go into this holiday, um, you're either probably listening to this if you're listening to it live right around 4th of July, and you may be thinking to yourself about all the things that you do and don't have freedom in, but I want you to know that you're always free to have your mind go off. Have your mind be able to be entertained in a fantasy realm, in an educative realm where you can be entertained or you can learn from the things that are out there written. But also, there's somebody else whose life you're going to impact with your words, with your book, not just a book, but your bestseller. And I would be honored, I would be delighted to be able to work with you on it. If you'd like to talk, you'd like to see if there's anything I can do to help you, I would be delighted to talk with you. Please go to AskSteveKid.com. It takes you straight to my calendar, and I will gladly and happily talk to you. Until we're together again next time, I hope that you have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. (laughs) 
<laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet kind of feeling, go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Schedule a talk with Steve. It's risk-free. It's guaranteed. It's proven. We've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve. Reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now. What are you waiting for? Grab a pen. Here we go. All you got to do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. Destiny.